0: Welcome to Tech Fan Podcast number 354. I am Tim Robertson, and I'm joined by the master of observation, David Cohen.
1: (laughs) Yes. I've just gone to our website and said, hey, our logo's changed, assuming you've just done it. And when did
0: you do it? Uh, A couple months ago. (laughs) So thanks for noticing.
1: Yeah. Great job, buddy.
0: Uh, I I mean, it's not like it's radically different. Uh, in fact, the only thing that different is different is the, the actual like text. Est established tech fan in 2010. That's a distraught font that I used. Yeah. And I kind of liked it. It just kind of I don't know wasn't as clean. I didn't want something as clean. I wanted something a little bit more gritty, if you will.
1: Yeah. You'll have to send me the file for that so that I uh, remember to use it. Otherwise, you'll get the old one back every now and again.
0: Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> We've had like four fonts since we started the show. Or right, four logos. You. No yeah. biggie. Uh,
1: now, clearly, either the listeners never noticed, or they don't care.
0: Well, I changed the My Mac font like six times in 20 years. No, more than that. 22, 23 years now. So, yeah, I like change occasionally.
1: The, the thing about fonts is some people are, are, are kind of real font nerds. I know... Guys like Gruber and stuff like that online. Yeah. Apparently, he can sit in an Apple. I heard him a couple of weeks ago say he was an Apple keynote, and um, he saw something come up on the screen. He immediately noticed that it was a brand new font, and it's like, most of that stuff is is like I'm blind to it, really.
0: Uh, you know, I, I I worked at a design firm, so I've got a little bit of an eye for fonts and stuff like that. But I, I don't care. I know when I see yeah. co- comic sans, I'm like ugh. But other yeah. than that, I it's I don't care. It's just a font. I can I read it? Alright, I'm good. But the only reason I changed um the Tech Fan font, like I said though, is I just wanted something that looked more distressed. I, I didn't want yeah. something as clean and polished. I wanted it to look a little bit more gritty and uh Yeah. Well and part of that though is where I got inspiration for the current logo that Donnie Yankolo helped us create. Um, was a T-shirt from Sure, and they used a distressed font on that T-shirt. So that was always kind of my thought behind it. Um, and of course, I didn't tell that to Donnie, so he just made it, you know, with regular font. So when I had an opportunity to come across a, a what I thought was a pretty cool distressed font, browsing the internet one day, I downloaded it, and of course, I immediately changed the techfam font, but. That's easy to do. It's just a font. The lightning bolts and the lines on the side—that's not a font. <laughs> so I would have to distress those as well. And yeah, I just haven't got around to it yet. I know how to do it. I just just haven't done it.
1: Summary so even though it doesn't actually really look very much like this, I've all, whenever I've looked at it, I've always it's always brought to mind the uh, the album cover to "Raised on Radio" by Journey.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Which is. A
1: similar sort of thing. Yeah, lightning lightning around the logo. Yep, with with a radio kind of audio thing about it.
0: Yeah, I, I I've seen it before the the sure the, the Shure font that I picked up. Oh, I'm gonna say it's probably 2011, 2012 somewhere. No, it's probably 2013. Um, it was a free T-shirt at some conference I went to, I think Nam N A M M, yeah, in uh, California. So I thought, nah, I, I kind of like this T-shirt. And I still have it, too, by the way. I probably have T-shirts older than, you know, a few of our listeners. And, you know, I I had seen that before. It wasn't, like, wholly original for them. But I thought, that would be kind of cool for a tech fan font. So it's always kind of stuck with me. I thought about rotating it, too. Not quite a a 90-degree angle or anything, but maybe, like, a 30 to 35% counterclockwise type of thing. I was like, yeah. I'll keep it straight. Too much work. So sorry about missing last week, folks. Uh, We are here this week. And uh, I do want to thank again Owen Rubin for coming on on the last episode, 353. That was fun.
1: Yeah, it was was a good show. Very good show. You know what the funny thing is? uh, I was listening to it, uh, and um, he mentioned that he'd been in Hamburg and had gone to that miniature Wonderland place. Yeah. Yeah, while you were recording that, because I was away on my cruise, I was in Hamburg visiting Miniature Wonderland.
0: Wow, that's crazy! <laughs> so you guys only missed each yeah. other by a few weeks.
1: Yeah, exactly. But uh, if if you ever go to Hamburg um, or a, if in on Europe, you'll find a few places like this. They're always worth a visit. It's um, this massive. Uh, modeling studio where they have basically built these very intricate kind of model, started off as model train sets, but then they built these whole worlds around them, all in miniature modeling. They have a whole working airport. Um, the day that I was there was just when the Solo movie had come out. So in this working airport, which actually has, you know, you sit in this room and it's, it's probably two, three hundred feet um, cubed uh, squared. Uh, with this lit up airport, with planes taxiing around and baggage handlers and all this sort of thing, and it's all models, and they have planes flying in and out of the airport on wires, really? uh, and one of the planes taking off, they changed the model out for the Millennium Falcon. Oh, so that's cool. <laughs> you see the Millennium Falcon rev up and then kind of shoot down the runway and take off into the distance. It was very cool.
0: Did we ever yeah. discuss Solo here on the sh- on the podcast?
1: We didn't. I haven't seen it yet, actually. Oh,
0: well, you and a lot of people from box office yeah, uh, reports.
1: It's not exciting, people. I just haven't had time. I haven't seen Deadpool yet, either.
0: Um, I've seen them both. They're both good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, had, I just haven't had time. But um, I, I do wonder if there's a little bit of Star Wars fatigue going on at the moment.
0: Why? I, see, I've heard that. Why would that be any different than, say, Marvel fatigue? And that doesn't seem to be happening. And you get two to three Marvel movies every year. So why is there a Star Wars fatigue?
1: I generally think the Marvel movies generate a lot more excitement than the Star Wars people among the general population. You think so? Star Wars movies. I think I think Star Wars movies are big deals for big sci-fi and Star Wars fans, but I think nowadays more people are generally more more people are generally interested in going to see a you know a superhero movie than they are in a Star Wars movie.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know if I agree or disagree. Uh, Of course, Pixar just released The Incredibles 2, which I really want to see, and I haven't yet, and they had uh, the biggest opening weekend of any animation movie ever.
1: See, I'm interested by that. I mean, obviously, you always... Most of the time, Pixar hits it out of the park. Every now and again, they miss. Um, And obviously, with a sequel to a movie that was so well-regarded as Incredibles... Which was 10 years ago. ...that's going to go. Yeah, but exactly. It's been a long time, and also... Back then, there were not really superhero movies, and now we are awash with them. So it, I find it interesting to, to see how that, you know, has not negatively affected, uh, you know, the Incredibles two's reception.
0: I thought the first Incredibles, because obviously I can't speak to the new one, although I hear it's it's good. Um, it was the best Fantastic Four movie I've ever seen. Yeah, because that was kind of the premise: The a family and. Not just the powers of some of the characters, but just the dynamic. It worked perfect for what the Fantastic Four should have been. And, yeah, you also probably saw that uh, Comcast tried to step in and spoil the, the Marvel marrying and getting you know the Fox properties back into Marvel proper, Fantastic Four, X-Men, that sort of thing. Yeah. And Comcast came in and made a huge bid. I mean, we're talking twenty billion dollars more than what Disney was offering. And of course, you know, all the fan podcasts that I listened to, they all went nuts like, oh my god, Comcast is gonna get this and it's so terrible. And I kept thinking, why at, at the end of the day, why does anybody really care? It's not like if Comcast buys this they're not going to make X Men and Fantastic Four and Deadpool and they're still going to. I mean, it's their thing. That's why well, they want I, it.
1: I, I think people are just generally, they'd rather have Disney stewarding those things rather than Comcast because Comcast is generally known for making horrible business decisions that uh, disadvantage their own customers.
0: Hmm. I just wanted Marvel to get it. Or I should yeah. say Disney. I wanted Disney to get it because I want Marvel. And when I say Marvel, I don't mean the movie studios. I mean the company Marvel that creates the comic books. It's been around for a very long time. Not as long as DC, but they've been around a very long time. Um, I wanted them, and I still want them, to get all their properties back. Because selfishly, I want to see my favorite Marvel characters up on the big screen, all together. I I want that cohesive universe. And it has nothing yeah. to do with business. I just that's a selfish thing I want to see.
1: In, interestingly enough, my uh we, we recently acquired Netflix, so my wife has been binge watching a lot of the um of the Marvel T V shows.
0: I didn't know you had that much money where you can just go out and acquire Netflix, David. We need <laughs> was, to talk off cheap, the air.
1: It was going cheap on eBay. It was <laughs> only about fifteen, twenty billion dollars, so I just picked <laughs> it up. <laughs> um and uh, yeah she has been it's been interesting to see her reaction to those marvel tv shows Yeah. because she she'd not watched many of them before we would watched the first season of jessica jones before but she, apart from that she hadn't seen them and she she dived straight into um into iron fist actually oh, that was yeah. the one that well that one the you know what that was the one that first appealed to her and she really really liked it
0: she, there's parts you know, she, of it that i liked but i don't know yeah
1: well she really liked it she went straight onto the defenders which you know because it kind of continues on the story she really enjoyed that and then i said to her i said look now you've seen those two you need to start at the beginning with the daredevil series yeah so she's gone she's gone back so she's in, she's enjoying all of them you know she thinks they're uh, she thinks they're good but i, I just and I, I but i i did at one point have to explain to her said this is Existing in the same universe as the Marvel movies, you know, you'll hear them occasionally reference things. The that,
0: Attack of New know, York, and she, and she picked
1: up a line of dialogue about, you know, well, not everybody needs a magic hammer to solve right. problems and that sort of thing. And she, that was when she
0: said, "Oh, you know,
1: oh, did they know about Thor and all like, that?" I said, "Yeah, it's the same universe. You just never see these
0: other characters." I, I kind of think that's a a little bit of a regret. I think it would be cool just to have a throwaway thing and give Chris Evans like. 30 grand to spend a day. It's not even a full day, a half a day. Not even in costume where Matt Murdock is at the airport and there's Steve Rogers. Yeah. And people are coming up and getting his autograph. Oh, it's Captain America. And he just oh. walks by and
1: well he, well there he is Matt, Mur-
0: Matt Murdock walk by, by, by cuz he wouldn't see him. He wouldn't see him no. Um <laughs> I, I you Actually, know
1: You know what? That would be a hugely funny thing to do. Is basically every time you see Matt Murdock, not Daredevil, walking down the street with his cane and everything, and he keeps walking past other Marvel superheroes, and of course yeah. he can't see them, right. so he doesn't know they're there. Or he just kind of turns his head aside for a minute and then walks on.
0: Yeah, they could even see G.I. in like, like the Hulk standing there. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like ambling past him. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um,. Yeah, in fact, today uh, Luke Cage season two came out on Netflix. Right, and okay. I haven't so, yeah, I haven't watched watch it. it. I I enjoy Luke Cage. Oh, I like the first season. I if I had to rank them, Daredevil season one is number one. Daredevil season two is number two. Jessica Jones, not all of Daredevil season two, by the way. There's some kind of dead spots in there, but uh, and then Jessica Jones season one, Luke Cage season one. Jessica Jones Season 2, Defenders, and Iron Fist. And what about The Punisher? Oh, I, I keep forgetting about that one. I really like The Punisher, too. Yeah. I'd probably put that right after Jessica Jones.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But Daredevil Season 1 and 2 was just... The first season of Daredevil was amazing. You yeah. know? It... it it was raw and gritty and it just felt like it was done right. And it felt like Netflix really gets these characters and the creators and just letting them do what should be daredevil instead of the, I, th-
1: I think, I think the problem that all of them have suffered from, uh, is frankly, is I think the hand as a, as an, as a, a kind of the big bad of, of a, of a TV series is just pretty weak because it's so unfocused. What's so great about, the first season of Daredevil was uh, was the performance from the guy who did Wilson Fisk. It was just amazing. Yes, you know. Yep. Uh, and and you know this is this is a guy who's really got the character down. You know, he's this even when he's doing nothing
0: but walking, in, he's the scariest guy in the room. He is. Yeah. 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 It's a. It's. Everyone talks about the best Marvel villains, and no one ever talks about Wilson Fisk. And I gotta say, I think you're right. He might be the very best Marvel villain, because. Even when he's doing nothing, he kind of exudes this menacing presence that he's wrapped in this falsehood of civility and society, yeah. and he's not. That is not who he he's, really is.
1: Worst of the worst. He,
0: luck. he is a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, yeah. and he he will, he is just crazy. He will just do whatever, but he's incredibly intelligent, so... Yeah, I, I think he might be better than, than uh, uh, Killmonger in in Black Panther. Who, by the way, I really liked it the first time I saw it. I really did. Yeah. And I went back and I watched it because I bought it on, on iTunes. And I don't know. I don't know if it holds up on a second viewing. Mm-hmm. I mean, his character is well, still... Just, uh, we'll just how, how, Killmonger, how good he is. He doesn't really. I mean, he's a very sympathetic. You understand why he's a bad guy, or you, you, at least you can understand why he went down this path. The rejected son, murdered father. I get it, but I don't know. I, it just didn't hold up as good. He didn't. He didn't scare me the way Wilson Fisk or Thanos did. Mm. He just wasn't that yeah. menacing.
1: I, I think maybe perhaps the weakness of of Killmonger in uh, Black Panther is that he didn't really have a plan. He was just kind of, you know, reacting to events and then taking advantage of events. Whereas, um, you know, with Thanos and uh, and, and particularly with uh, with Kingpin, you know, they're always working on something else. They're always scheming. Yeah. You know, they're always trying to be. Too Wilson Fisk is
0: Kingpin. For those who don't know. Yeah. He's the kingpin of crime of New York. I don't know. Well, let's get off moral stuff. Um, talk about some tech stuff because sure. that's kind of been the name of the show. Um, <laughs> so this, I don't know what to think of this, David. Uber applies for a patent to spot drunk passengers. And they kind of say, well, they do this because they want to protect the drivers. You know, look, if I was an Uber driver, I don't want to pick up some drunk frat guys or some, you know, bridesmaids that are just plastered. I don't want these people in the back of my car throwing up and making asses of themselves. By the same token, I also don't want them driving themselves. Um, But I... I, (sighs) I think it's just because I I honestly believe that Uber as a corporation is is full of scum, Um, at least their policies, and they have not, on any level, from the very beginning of their existence, proven themselves trustworthy of either user data, complying with laws, or um, treating people correctly. Now, we've all seen videos online of Passengers just abusing Uber drivers, and I do think, for the most part, most Uber drivers are good people. Every single Uber I've ever been in was a very positive experience, yeah. every one of them. But, but as a corporation, I don't trust them with this kind of technology.
1: Uh, absolutely not. Um, for for a start, you know, these are companies, and I'm talking about more generally now with the with the startups or Uber in particular. Um, these are companies who will quite happily. Pass on or sell data if they believe it's in their interest to do so. So, if they start uh, tagging people as, uh, well, you know, here's a group of here's a group of friends who every Friday night are out plastered looking for an Uber at 11:30 in this area. Yeah, I, I, if you are that person who the rest of the time has a perfectly respectable life and just likes to light one up a little bit on a Friday night, uh, I don't think that's data that should be in the public domain secondly um, it's judgmental in that it assumes that every single person who Uber's algorithm decides is somewhat inebriated is some sort of risk which is completely utterly um, you know it's wrong headed on a whole many levels there are people who are good drunks there are people who are bad drunks there are people who are fun when they're drunk there are people who are only fun when they're drunk there are also people who, when they get drunk, kind of behave absolutely terribly, and it brings out the worst in them. But the algorithm's not going to detect that. It's presumably, just from their interactions on their app, going to detect whether it thinks they're inebriated or not, and then presumably judge them accordingly. And then the final thing, of course, is Uber drivers are not all squeaky clean, and that Uber's had an awful lot of problem in basically doing bare minimal checks on their drivers before they employ them. Yep. And all of a sudden, you now have an opportunity for any sort of guy who or girl who may be a predator who wants to rob, rape, attack, kill, whatever, drunk people, they now have a way of finding them.
0: Yeah, they have a targeting system.
1: Exactly. And that's, that's you know, these are all unintended consequences. What c- always concerns me with this is that nobody in the company concerned thinks to raise this stuff before they go away and start creating the technology. Yeah. yeah. And
0: yeah. you know As this was, was say, not... Uber does
1: not have a great track record no. in behaving ethically.
0: And they, and they will say, well, you know, this is technology we're trying to develop to kind of protect our drivers. No, it's not. You're looking at this hoping that you'll get these drunk people to take an Uber because, well, they don't make the soundest decisions and, hey, maybe they're going to get in and there's four of them and boy that's going to be a lot more money
1: yeah exactly so so uber already has surge pricing what happens if all of a sudden they they add a a A drunk surge 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 price charge yeah to anybody (coughs) that they decide is drunk yeah Yeah, not with a legal standard definition that was hold up in a court of law but just basically because they're a little bit sloppy when they type on their phone
0: yeah exactly
1: I'm sure. I'm sure they would argue whatever their algorithm is is more sophisticated than that. But that's the thing, and so that means yeah that they get a twenty percent uplift on their on their Uber. Yeah, you know? it's it's just. It's- I,
0: I don't trust their their. Mm, what's the word I'm looking for? It is very early in the morning, by the way, folks. Um, <laughs> I woke up at four thirty this morning so I can get a shower and everything, get ready for work. And do a podcast at six a.m. So <laughs> I'm not at my sharpest right now. I don't. I don't trust their motivation in this, David.
1: No, uh, and to be honest with you, I'm. Sh- they, they need to protect their drivers from every single passenger. But
0: every they also need to uh, risk. Yes, for
1: their drivers. Every every single passenger could, you know, do something horrible to their drivers. They need to protect the drivers from everybody, not just target particular groups. Say, these are the ones you need to worry about.
0: But they also need to protect the passengers from their drivers. And they do that exactly. by weeding out the bad people. In um, CNN reports that more than 100 Uber drivers in the U.S. have been accused of sexually assaulting or abusing passengers in the past four years, with 31 drivers convicted of crimes, including false imprisonment and rape. And I work in Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those who don't know, a few years ago, that's where the Uber driver went off the deep end and was shooting people while he was Ubering. And, you know, you're going to get crazy people in any profession. That's going to happen. Somebody could always pass a background check. doesn't mean that they're not criminally insane. Just because they've never done anything before doesn't mean that it's not right there. But you, you got to do something, you know.
1: And and let's be honest, you know, the real context behind this is that Uber is a com- is a company. Careful. There, which
0: has a huge. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, when you started to say company, it's not like you're going to say so. I, yeah. <laughs> I had a I heard a U sound at the beginning, and I was yeah. like ah. Yeah.
1: Uh, you you might think that I couldn't possibly comment. Um, yeah, that reminds, that, I'll tell you a joke in a minute about Donald, Donald Trump. I heard while I was away. Um, you uh, Uber is a company that has a huge problem with sexual harassment. Yep. So, consequently, the mindset of the people inside Uber is not programmed. You know, it's it's a cultural thing. It's not programmed towards. We must make sure we protect against sexual harassment. They don't think about it, or if they do think about it. They think, oh, okay, it's not really a big problem. So um, you know, for all you can say, "Oh, give them some slack." It's only a patent. It's not enough. It's not even a product. They might even never develop this. You know, it's coming from people who are probably uh, wrong-headed in the first place. Yep. You want to hear my Donald Trump joke? I do.
0: I absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump comes out to one of his rallies and he says you know what he says i am the greatest president there has ever been <laughs> he says if we if america if america was an empire i'd be the emperor if america was a monarchy i'd be the king if it was a kingdom i'd be the king he said unfortunately america is just a
0: country <laughs> yeah
1: i'll leave you to fill in the punchline for yourself
0: um yeah So, talk about stupidity. (laughs) Uh, Were we? Well, (laughs) I don't want to get political. I'll
1: let you fill in your own punchline, because I'm sure we have a wide church of listeners in our uh, audience.
0: We do. And, you know, in my day job selling automobiles, I have to leave my personal beliefs, whether it's religion or politics or what have you out of the equation, because I don't get to decide who I'm selling a car to. Yeah. Well, I do, but you know what I mean? Um, Because if someone's just super annoying, I'm going to get rid of that person quickly. Uh, if someone's dangerous or belligerent, I'm, they're leaving. <laughs> you have an app that allows you to target I do. drunk customers. I do. Yeah. yeah, I sell, I usually sell those people uh, two cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but stu- speaking of stupidity, though, you have an, an article here from The New Yorker. And it's called... It
1: a fascinating read.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did not read it. I just skimmed it. Yeah. Uh, by Alan Burdick. Looking for life on a flat earth. Now, I've peripheral been keeping track of this whole flat earth movement BS. And it just seems to me to be one of the most ignorant, dumbest things that could ever take root. Um, But yet, here we are talking about these morons.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean the reason, uh, quite apart from the fact that this is a fascinating read, this this reporter actually attended a flat Earth convention to uh, understand, try and understand a little bit more about uh, the people who subscribe to this view. Um, the reason I kind of put it in here is because I I feel that you know technology really is a bit of an enabler here, which is kind of counterintuitive. You would think with technology, satellites, GPS. Uh, Communications, the space shuttle, the Apollo program, and everything that we would live in a world where it would be virtually impossible for anyone to believe that the earth is flat
0: or at the very and, least uh, a, a strong enough contingent of people to ridicule those who would question exactly. this
1: but but the the reality is that something to do with the nature of technology and social media has actually enabled these people to organize yep, they have a conference now they they have groups on reddit and um on twitter and facebook and they can communicate with each other and interchange ideas however good or bad those ideas might be and more importantly they can reinforce their own beliefs uh, and become one of these you know these social media tribes that basically anything that is given to them that counterfaces the, the, what they believe is, is dismissed as either a conspiracy or fake or both um, so we have, and, and not need that as well, we also have a, a situation now where technology got cheap enough that we have a guy here who is trying to build his own rocket to prove that the Earth is flat, because effect, one, of the, um, one of the elements of the, of the people who believe this is that as a massive conspiracy to try and, uh, I don't quite understand why you would do this, um, but there's a conspiracy to, to try and hide from the general population that the Earth is actually flat. And so the only way to prove it in these guys' eyes is to launch their own rocket up into space so they can take their own pictures and show what it's really like.
0: I, I um, hope they succeed and it's a manned rocket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> apparently there's five hundred people at this convention, so that will be quite a big rocket.
0: Uh, they need so. to they need to build a big I'm I'm ready to donate to the rocket project right now as long as it holds five hundred people. Yeah. Um
1: so- yeah. yeah this is you know it's it's we we live in this world that um and and sure enough quite a lot of the presentations on the um at this flat earth conference were also you know similar conspiracy theories about uh you know moonlight the moon landing being fo- fake the international fake station um there's a the uh, there's apparently a belief by these guys that nasa's principal job is to protect a wall of ice around the edge of the flat earth and beyond that there's a um you know a promised land for um for the illuminati or for the you know the elite in in all the countries these um and and of course you know there's a lot of um sideshow like things in there as well one guy thinks that that we're actually living in inside um Something like the Truman Show, so we're all being monitored and we're entertainment for somebody else. Um, there's there's a whole load of kind of crazy, crazy stuff in here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, some theories I could at least keep an open mind about. Um, the simulation theory. Now, yeah. there's people, uh, there's scientists that say that has been disproven now. But there were scientists who said that there w- that was a distinct possibility. Because well, Yeah,
1: but all I would say is, if we are living in a simulation, we're living in a simulation that simulates a, a globular Earth. which we yep. live on not that yes. one. yeah. So even then, you're still wrong. Um, and and you know, these guys, a lot of them are very. Uh, they they come up with these supposed common sense scientific approaches yep. that show a, a dizzying lack of scientific awareness. So they they say, uh, why uh, if if the Earth is spherical. Why would a plane need to? Why wouldn't it need to constantly be pushing its nose down to avoid flying away into space? <laughs> um, and of course, a, a, a lot of these go on to say that, that because gravity is a real problem to the flat earthers because it it doesn't really work on a flat earth. Right. They basically say the theory of gravity is also either wrong or a conspiracy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but I, I think the was the one you were saying about how how come if you. A spirit level and put it on the horizon on the sea, um, it's flat rather than curved.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. You know, the thing is, they don't even have to build a rocket, they just have to have a big balloon to go up high enough, and you can see the curvature of the earth. Idiots,
1: well, yeah, I mean, you can anybody nowadays can get a weather balloon and mount a camera to the bottom of it, and yeah, send it up, and you'll see that.
0: Yeah, it's but it's uh, just it's. The the level of stupidity is astounding. Here's the thing, and you're absolutely right, David, to point out that social media and access to the Internet and like-minded morons is contributing to the problem. And it's probably one of those things that would actually lead many people to fall down this rabbit hole to begin with. But they've already had a a predilection to to stupidity anyway. So, I mean, if it's not this, it would have been something else what would have happened and what did happen when you and I were young <clears throat> was you'd have that uncle that would be mockingly scorned at family events for his stupid beliefs. Yeah. Oh, don't talk to uncle Bob about the Cowboys and Indians. Cause he's got, he's, he's kind of crazy about this thing. He thinks that blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, um, And they would have been scorned and they would have been ignored and they would have just mumbled to themselves and kept themselves locked up with their tinfoil hats on in their house with the curtains drawn and 12 cats. Yeah. Now they have an outlet to spew their misinformation and their stupidity regurgitated over Facebook and Twitter. And there's going to be someone else out there a little less intelligent that's gonna go. Oh, it sounds right to me. I think this person's he's he's right on. He knows what he's talking about. Now, yes, I just use a southern accent, which is totally unfair because not all people with a southern accent are dumb. But here's the thing: the southern accent shouldn't be called a southern accent because there's people here in Michigan, which is about as far north as you can get in the United States, that have the same accent, and they were born right here in Michigan. So yeah. it's it's an accent that is embraced. By a lot of people who don't have high intelligence. Yeah, I don't know why.
1: Yeah, it's it's um uh, you know I I
0: I probably I lost like people, forty listeners right for there.
1: Something they're looking for something that you know they they want to be empowered because they want to feel that they you know the 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 advantage of all these conspiracy theories is it makes the people involved feel like that they're better than other people because they know something different. But I think something that's very a very modern development is the evangelism that goes along with these ideas now because you're absolutely right for 30 40 years ago somebody like that would have these ideas but quite apart from not having social media to talk about it to but they would keep themselves to themselves they might discuss it with other people but then they would kind of go away again but now everybody who has an alternate theory of anything doesn't matter what it is Feels the need to try and convince everybody else that it's true.
0: Yeah, but that's not, you know? that's nothing new though, David. I mean, well, I think that's, you just, you just described yeah. religion. You just described politics. You just, uh, I mean. Yeah,
1: I've noticed um, the latest one is veganism. Yes. If you um, ever meet a vegan, yeah. right, they will oh. spend hours trying to convince you that you need
0: to be exactly. vegan. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know exactly. I don't understand
1: that. I, I don't either. If it works for you, it's fine,
0: but I like meat, so. Yeah, uh, leave it? me alone. <laughs> I want bacon. Give me bacon. Bacon, 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 bacon. I smell bacon. Um, I don't. I wish I did. Um, It's nothing new. It's just the distribution now and the easy access to like-beliefed people or at least gullible people who will l- l- come aboard your BS theories. But... I don't know the, the opposite of this, of course, David is we get to discuss how dumb this is. Yes. Now that's true. let's be honest. I don't think we have one listener who's a flat earther because if you I, I, generally are a fan of technology, yeah. that kind of implies that you're also a fan of the sciences. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: I think, I think most, most, technology fans who like technology and are interested in technology probably yes i would agree with that and even if they're not particularly scientific they have an under you know a general educational understanding of some of the you know more fundamental facts physical facts of the world like gravity like the fact that the earth is round yeah i'm I'm not of even even myself who has you know, quite a. a I, I did scientific training. I did a, a degree in chemistry and everything. I wouldn't say that I know everything about vast swathes of science at all, but I, I have a keen interest and in a willingness and understanding to learn. Um, I think the problem with, with a lot of people who are in this kind of conspiracy bubble is that the only thing they want to learn is something that reinforces the conspiracy, and they don't want to learn anything else. They don't want to critically analyze anything.
0: Totally agree. So let's move on to our next subject, which is our sponsor, MaxSales.com. Hey, you know, there's going to be a contingent of OWC people at the MacStock conference this year. And I've already announced that uh, the CEO, Larry O'Connor, is going to be at MacStock on the stage with me for uh, the MyMac quiz.
1: He's also manning the stand-up, you <clears throat> see?
0: No. Because he's not going to be there.
1: You mean he's not going to sit there and, and sell OWC products to people?
0: And, well, they're not even going to have a stand as far as I know. Oh, they're not? A no. Okay. Um, okay. But there's going to be a few people there, including Jen, who's the president of the company. I'm looking forward to seeing Jen again. I haven't seen her in a while. Um, Larry's going to be there in a... How can I describe this? Uh, robot.
1: He's going to be there in a robot. What like Iron Man?
0: Well, kind of. <laughs> It's called Robo Larry, and uh, it's uh, a remote-controlled robot, if kind of. And that's how Larry is attending it. I think it sounds incredibly fun. Think yeah. of uh, a robot where where the head is an iPad, and that will be Larry. Okay. Does that sound cool?
1: Uh, yes, it does. It also explains why he's not manning a stand.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, that, or you can swipe your credit card on its head, because it's an iPad. That would be cool.
1: So you, um, um, th- that means that um, I, what he needs to have is a signing arm on the Robo Larry, <laughs> so that you can bring along your uh, your new OWC SSD drive and have it imprinted by the Robo
0: Larry. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, we're uh, looking forward to seeing. The robot Larry uh, and the other contingent of MaxSales.com OWC people at MaxStock. I hope you guys come to Mac stock Some of you, I'd love to meet you in person. Come to MaxStock, say hello. We'll hang out. And um, hey, if if you get to meet two of my daughters, I got Brooke, who's my youngest daughter. She's 14. She's coming with me to MaxStock, and uh, she's going to hang out for the the weekend. And my oldest daughter, who lives in Chicago is coming up, and she's bringing her boyfriend. And uh, so I get to meet him for the first time. So Rachel's going to be there. uh, Brooke's going to be there. And if you're going to be there, come say hi, and you can meet my my kids. That'll be fun.
1: You can can also pass judgment on Rachel's boyfriend. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. He sounds like he's a pretty nice guy from everything I've seen. I'm sure he is. In his social media stuff out there, he looks uh, like he's a good guy.
1: Somebody has a daughter, myself, who, uh, you know, she's only nine, but she also has had a boyfriend, apparently. Um, And I I understand the conflicted tone in your voice. Yeah.
0: She basically, I think she's preparing him to meet me more than me to meet him. Because she said, hey, you've done some interviews, right? And I replied, I said, Yeah, I've interviewed a lot of people, especially back on OWC radio. And we did some stuff on my Mac. And she said, no, 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 where you are the person being interviewed. And I said, yeah, I've been interviewed quite a few times. Could you send me some of those? I wanted Michael to to hear those. Uh, So I sent her a couple links and it's weird where your daughter's boyfriend is listening to interviews of me. How, how awkward is that for him though? Poor kid. Uh, well, may- maybe he asked. Maybe it was his idea. So, what is this Game Boy picture article that you sent from Eckler Design? This
1: is uh, this I just thought is is you know it it it's a beautiful capture of um, what we can do nowadays. It's something that's incredibly technically cool, while also completely and utterly pointless. Yes. I- um, especially when I mean, you look at it and you think, "Oh, okay, you know, I can see what you've done there is right." And then you look down and you remember what the Nintendo Game Boy Camera
0: game—it is terrible.
1: Yeah, but uh, by the same time, you know, as a as a a fun project and a, and a, as a, a depiction of what you can do if you stretch your imagination a little. This is—I find I found it intriguing anyway. So, what this guy has done is he's, he's basically built a. Canon EF lens mounts, which is uh, the um, lens mount that you get on Canon's digital SLR cameras, uh, and he's built that for the Game Boy. Now
0: well, the Game Boy, no, the old Game Boy, the, like the, the original, one of the first ones,
1: the original black and white Game Boy. So the Game which Boy, which had a
0: camera little camera a, on it.
1: Yeah, it, it was an it was an add-on that went in the cartridge slot. Mm-hmm. Gave you a camera for the Game Boy, um, and uh, he has built an an EF. Canon EF lens mount for this, and there's a picture in here of him with a ridiculous telephoto lens attached to a Game Boy. Um, and yeah, a 72 to 7200 millimeter f4 mounted around 1.4 times extender, giving me a, a maximum focal distance of about three uh, the equivalent of 3000 millimeters of, um, of, of lens, which is like super super telephoto lens. Right. Yeah. And, and he's mounting and, you know, it to something this, that... the lens adapter by designing it in on a computer and 3D printing it uh, and um, putting the screws in place and all of that. You know, it's a very cool example of a practical thing you can do with, with um, modeling software and a 3D printer nowadays. Um, it's also completely and utterly pointless. Yes. Yes. <laughs> pictures here of um, quite amazing pictures actually of this kind of scene on a beach and he's taking it with a regular camera and there's a little dot on the horizon and then he uses this telephoto lens to zoom in on the dot which is actually a boat out on the horizon but of course it's on a Game Boy camera so it's kind of a pixely um, it looks like one of those things you used to get at the carnival you know where they take back in back when we were kids where they take a photo of you and then print it on dot matrix paper Using using uh, ANSI symbols and and you know it large enough so that when you step back from it you could see the picture. This is what this looks like. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculously it's, low resolution. But and but. at the
0: same time, it's it's kind of cool.
1: <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah,
0: I kind of like it. I'm
1: trying to see. I'm trying to see on here if it says what the resolution of the Game Boy camera is.
0: Yeah. Well, it. <laughs> It says it right at the beginning. It's got a sensor size of about 3.6 millimeters, which seems equivalent to a yeah. quarter inch sensor, which is super tiny. I mean.
1: Yeah, so this is actually, I found it here. It's 128 by 112 pixels.
0: It's pretty small. I mean, yeah. you're talking postage stamp.
1: Uh, uh, even, yeah, even, and, and a low resolution postage stamp at that. He says... Uh, this is the, my favourite line in the whole article. He says, The bird shots actually show, show some surprisingly creamy bokeh for 2-bit, 14 kilobits, kil- kilopixel images. And bokeh is like the blurriness you get in the background um, when you focus on something with a, long, uh, with a long lens in a camera. And he's absolutely right, actually. It's got this kind of nice blur in the background that actually shows that you're focusing on something in the foreground. And, and actually, that's not bad.
0: No, it's not bad at all. I, you know, I kind of like this. I I shouldn't, I should just scoff at this, but I actually do kind of like this. I think it's kind of neat.
1: Why, you know, look, you're somebody who spent time and energy cutting apart something so you could turn it into a mini arcade cabinet. Now, a lot of people would also say, well, that's pretty pointless.
0: Yes, and it was
1: this is This is in a similar vein, though I would argue considerably more pointless than the work you've
0: done in the past. So what is this thing about Twitter that you got posted on here?
1: So this is um, I, you know Twitter's a funny company a very I' uh, funny not in, a, in an amusing way, Although I guess you could find this amusing, but um, they they seem to be uh, much as we were talking about with Uber at the beginning of the show, they seem to be so tone deaf they're so focused on trying to monetize their platform and make it better they um, they they seem to be tone deaf to the, the ideas that they're implementing on their platform so what basically you know, as we're we're well aware Facebook has taken some heat for the way they tweak their algorithms to surface stuff in your newsfeed as you surf Facebook sure and whether that whether that stuff is legitimately useful or not um, and, of course, you know, as soon as somebody builds a system...
0: Someone's going to uh, troll it.
1: Um, they're, they're, somebody games that system. So what Twitter is looking at doing is basically surfacing breaking news and personalized news into your Twitter feed and actually as, as instant messages that might come up over the top of your Twitter feed as they happen. And these are going to be derived from an algorithm that will look at what you read and who you follow and will then try and surface to you things that you might be interested in.
0: Mm.
1: Now, you know, going back to... We're kind of developing a theme here, going back to the discussion about the flat earthers. The problem with these social media bubbles is the things you might be interested in may not actually do anything more than just reinforce a certain worldview you have. Uh, And I would argue that doing that is is not particularly positive because all it does is it reinforces the tribes and secondly you've got our algorithm this is something that was has now been demonstrated to happen in the last u.s election where people there was whole industries of bots and 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 um people generating fake news stories in uh, macedonia albania Um, Russia, all that sort of thing, purely designed to influence people's opinions by putting in fake stories that then got picked up by automated social media algorithms. Mm -hmm. And so given that experience, given that there's a special counsel investigating that at the moment, given that all of the security services in the US have pretty much admitted that this happened... And, and, and authorize and, and, and prove that this has happened, the fact that in that context, Twitter would go, oh, let's take something like Facebook news feeds and do that for our platform. Today, three years on, amazes me, and not in a good
0: way. Well, they don't learn, do they?
1: Well, I, I don't think they do learn, no. I think they are, as I say, they're so f- focused on reinforcing engagement for their platform Um they don't think about it or it alternatively if they do they don't care and that's the more worrying thing is that these big corporations now perhaps don't care about what they're doing to social science in these different countries based on their activities as long as they make money out of it and that's, that's kind of disturbing
0: well the, but it's also nothing new
1: I, I know but um, I guess the, the rise of social media has made it far more dangerous than it used
0: to be Yes. So let's wrap this up with our uh, wiki trolling. I picked
1: I troll this week.
0: Well, this week and David doesn't know because I didn't put it in the show notes because I didn't even know what I was going to do. And that typing you heard was me picking it. Uh, Well, that was earlier, but I was putting in the show notes that someone could read Ray-Ban. Remember Ray-Ban sunglass company. They're still out there. Now, Ray-Ban was sold in uh, 1999 uh, from Balsh and Loam, Bosch and Loam, I don't know, to an Italian uh, conglomerate. The
1: Luxosica Group. yeah. Who actually, Luxottica now actually own um, <clears throat> a lot of the big sunglass brands.
0: Oh, not just sunglass, also uh, prescription glasses. Yeah. Um, in fact, they've got pretty much a monopoly on eyeglass wear and contact lenses. This is, by the way, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to disrupt something, create a new brand and challenge an established entity. This is the one. Um, so Ray-Ban is our pick. In 1929, U.S. Army Corps of Engineer, or I'm sorry, U.S. Army Air Corps Colonel John McCready worked with Bausch & Lam, a Rochester, New York-based medical equipment manufacturer, to create aviation sunglasses that will reduce the distraction for pilots caused by the intense blue and white hues of the sky. So this wasn't a fashion thing, David. When when Ray Ban started, this was a very specific product to help pilots. And yeah. think about the year nineteen twenty nine. We're talking about biplanes, yeah, and open cockpits. <laughs> this yeah. this was but this yeah, was amazing.
1: The the, the late twenties was when. When uh, aircraft were pushing into places that humans had never been before,
0: exactly. Um,
1: and you know, this is this is a, a, a fix for a particular problem because the, the the unless you regularly go up into a an aircraft cockpit flying at height, you have no idea how bright and blue and and white it is up there. And you can't really you can't really tell from looking out the window. Of a passenger plane, you have to be in the cockpit where the windows are much bigger and wider, and it is absolutely stunning, but it 's also incredibly
0: bright but it also fogs up your go goggles when you go that high because it 's colder up there, and your skin yeah. is warmer, so the yeah, inside of your goggles nice. are going to start fogging. Um, Specifically, McCready was concerned about how how pilots' goggles would fog up, greatly reducing visibility at high altitude. The prototype, created in 1936 and known as anti-glare, had plastic frames and green lenses that could cut out the glare without obscuring vision. They also added impact-resistant lenses in 1938. The sunglasses were redesigned with a metal frame the following year and patented as the Ray-Ban Aviator. According to the BBC, the glasses use calichrome lenses designed to sharpen details and minimize haze by filtering out blue light, making them ideal for misty conditions. That's Uh, pretty cool. Yeah,
1: This is pretty much what every quality pair of sunglasses does nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, yeah, I I did not know it It came out of the
0: aircraft industry. I knew that... um, it was 90 years ago that this thing yeah. went into development. Think about that. 90 years ago, and we're using pretty much the same technology to, to filter out certain um, light, and so it doesn't fog over, get misty. That's right, yeah. I, I knew
1: that um, Revo came out of NASA. Yep. Um, and that, that's a brand that I've always liked in the past, but i I didn't know that... Um, I mean, obviously everyone, most people have heard of the Ray-Ban aviators, but I didn't know they were specifically originally designed for aviators.
0: I thought that was just a kind of a branding
1: thing that Ray-Ban had adopted over the years.
0: And it wasn't created in somebody's garage or as a part-time thing. He went to Bosch and Loam to do this. Ray-Ban's most popular sunglasses are the Wayfarer and the aviator models. During the 1950s, Ray-Ban released the Echelon caravan which had a square frame. In 1965, the Olympian one and two were introduced. They became popular when Peter Fonda wore them in the 1969 film, easy Rider*. The company has also produced special edition lines, such as the general in 1987, bearing similarity to the original aviators worn by general Douglas MacArthur during the second world war. I think this is kind of a really cool, uh, pick for us this week because it's obviously technology. It's, um, it's got a history and yet it has an impact on our current world. I think this is cool. Yeah. And Ray-Bans do look good.
1: They're a quality glass. Yeah, I mean everyone remembers in the 80s that uh classic uh, aviator look as worn by the guys in Top Gun. And, to-
0: and you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Tom Cruise was kind of famous for his aviators for a while there.
1: Yeah.
0: That's it's yeah. I I don't know if I've ever worn a pair of of Ray-Bans. I know I had a fake pair during the 80s because who the hell could afford the real ones back then. Um, My personal sunglass favorites now are none. I have to wear sunglasses because I'm very sensitive to bright light, uh, especially when I'm driving. I get a blistering headache if I don't wear glasses while I'm driving. Um, But I just buy cheap ones because I ruin them all. Right. Uh,
1: Funnily enough, I've just started when I had the laser eye surgery about twenty years ago, and it 's only just recently i 've had to start wearing glasses again, um, and i 've had to get the very focal ones so these ones um, depending on where I look through the lens, it gives me a different focal length, so I can read close up and I can also see far away with them um, and I had the uh, the photochromic tint put in these, so out in the sunlight they get darker. But the problem with that is that they don't work inside a vehicle because the um, they respond to UV light and the windscreen absorbs a lot of the UV, so they don't get darker when it's a sunny day inside the car. So then I do also have to wear sunglasses, and I I have, yeah you know, I, I I like like you I don't like spending a lot of money on sunglasses because it's easy to break them or lose them or ruin them. But I, what I like to do is buy um, used used name brands on eBay.
0: Oh for, never uh, thought of that.
1: For less money and so I have some Revo and some Serengeti. Serengeti I really like actually. Hmm. But, um, you know you can get some amazing because because I think what Ray-Ban really did was uh, introduce science into the uh, Bausch & Lomb obviously developed this further and and yeah until they sold to Luxottica they were the market leader in the lenses Oh classes. yeah. Um Is is Yeah, introduce science to the design of the lenses, and so all
0: of the... um, And the fashion, of course, follows that.
1: Exactly, but all of the abilities we have now in in photochromic lenses that respond to light and get darker in in bright light, or um, the ability to filter, uh, polarize light and different shades and highlight certain things. You know, we've all seen in the movies those yellow glasses that um, snipers and things wear. Those are about... um, Adjusting so that you it makes it easier for you to see movement through glasses. Yep. Um, all of those, all of those scientific processes of implants and lenses uh, came out of the fact that um, that Bausch started with scientific lenses for aviators. So it's pretty cool to know that.
0: So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We do encourage you guys to reach out and send us some feedback on this or any other episode. It's real easy to do. Simply send an email to the show at techfampodcast.com. We haven't been getting much feedback lately, so we'd really appreciate it if you did. Uh, Make sure you visit techfampodcast.com or mymac.com for the show notes. We'll have links to uh, the things that we talked about here, including that uh, really well-written flat earth article, even though the beliefs are, well, they are what they are. Um, It's a well-written article, definitely worth your read, uh, if for no other reason to point a finger and go, ha-ha. (laughs) you can also leave a comment right there on either one of those websites and of course check out the other shows in the MyMac Podcasting Network when you visit MyMac.com including the MyMac Podcast with Guy and Gaz uh, Nintendo um, uh, what is it called Jeez. Uh, Why am I just completely blanking on the name of that show, David? It's so early in the morning. It it kind of is. Well, this is about the time I'm actually getting ready to leave for work or take one of the kids to the school bus because, you know, but I've been up longer than I usually am. Club of Nintendo. Yeesh. I
1: knew I had Club of Nintendo somewhere. Uh,
0: Essential Apple Podcast. Uh, Every one of those episodes are posted at MyMac.com. Three Geeky Ladies. And, of course, you can find the... Uh, geekiest show ever that David and I started way, way back in the day. That's still going strong. And all past episodes of Tech Fan are posted live at MyMac.com when they go live. Uh, i got to get to work, so we got to wrap this up. But I'll post this later tonight when I get home and uh, look forward to some feedback. See you next week, David.
1: See you then. May the Toyota Selling Gods forever be in your favor.